broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios deep inside the secret bee cave. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Let's go straight out to the HRMP guest line. Joining us now is Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. Been on a heater to start this football season. 25 and 11, Lee. Am I getting those numbers right? Yep, 25 and 11 so far this year. So, uh... Nice to start off well, and you're not making up ground. So, been a fun, fun start to the season. A lot of really good uh, games this week, too, especially on the college side of things. Oh, Added I mean, the- this is isn't this the way it should be? You know, before we get to conference play, I mean, like Michigan playing Bowling Green, Ohio, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, every MAC school it seems like that's no fun for anyone. No, I I have a take that I think with the new expanded college football playoff that I think some of these schools are going to start scheduling tougher at a conference because it's not punitive to lose because if you win your conference, you're going to be an at-large, and then it also rewards you because if you you win, now you have a better chance to be an at-large. I'm an auto-bidder. Oh, how much fun is it going to be when they expand to 12 schools? And, like, we can end up with, like, five – Five, maybe six SEC schools in there. Yeah, I can't wait. All right, let's let's get started yep. in the ACC, though. A uh, game that's interesting because Clemson, really Clemson, is Florida State back. Florida State given two points here. What do you see in the Seminole Tiger matchup? Wow, this is a tough, tough game here. I think it's a circle game, though, for Florida State. When that schedule comes out, I think every single team is always looking at one game. And I think this this is the game here. Clemson's won seven straight at home against Florida State. Uh, some people might be discounting Florida State because they had trouble against Boston College. But they had trouble against dual-threat quarterbacks. And they're not going to face that with Clemson's quarterback, Kate Klubnick. He's only run for 63 yards in three games this year. Uh, Clemson. They lose here and their season is over. I just don't think their receivers scary at all. So uh, they run the ball fine, but uh, Florida State just more balanced here and also better special teams. Uh, I-, I like Florida State here post game twenty seven twenty three. Lee, interesting matchup because this isn't your usual Alabama Crimson Tide, and the revolving door at quarterback continues as they take on Ole Miss. How you see this one? Yeah, I mean, is there a chance that there's a changing of the guard in the SEC West? And is the Alabama empire starting to come to an end here? Now, Alabama's won seven straight against Ole Miss, but let's look at just how Nick Saban's reacting. Game last week against South Florida, he makes a quarterback change. He puts in Tyler Buckner. Tyler Buckner does not fare well. He even turns to third stringer Ty Simpson. Now, He's going back to Jalen Milrow or bust. I mean, if Jalen Milrow doesn't get it done, I don't know what he does. And, you know, I don't think they passed the eye test. There's no running back or receiver that scares you like three, four years ago. Uh, Alabama, just 5.8 yards per snap and with the numbers. And, and, and Ole Miss, 8.19 yards per snap. I just think they're much more explosive here. I think Lane Kiffin is going to become the fourth former assistant to take down Nick Saban here. Wrong team favored. I'm going with Ole Miss here. Outright 31-27. Uh, SEC's fun, isn't it? Lane Kiffin, you got Nick Saban. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Now it's going to be a lot of fun, too, in South Bend. Top 10 matchup, Ohio State heading into South Bend against Notre Dame, number 6 team in the country, uh, number 9 team in the country. Ohio State, a road favorite. How do you see in this one play out Saturday evening? Yeah, so... <laughs> This this is the marquee game here, and 
I, I just think that uh, what you have is you have a team that's changed. Notre Dame could not pass the football last year. After three games, three touchdown passes and three interceptions. That's why they weren't anything special. This year with Sam Hartman, 15 touchdowns and no interceptions are their quarterbacks after four games. Ohio State, last year with C.J. Stroud, <laughs> uh, 12 touchdowns and no interceptions. This year, <laughs> shoes on the other foot here, seven touchdowns and just two interceptions. So I, I, I think that even the no, running back position, Notre Dame is right there with Ohio State. They're two running backs averaging 8.3 and 6.6 yards per carry home field advantage, as we know is big uh, with top power teams. And Ohio State just 1-7 against the spread as a road favorite. Another wrong team favorite. Notre Dame gets it done here, 28-24. You just made our producer, Joe George, extremely happy. He is a pseudo-Golden <laughs> Domer that has been waiting for this moment, and now he is so excited to watch college football. Uh, I, let's flip the script. Let's get into the NFL, Lee, because there's some interesting yep. games on the docket. We know that Deshaun Watson has basically underachieved, and now he doesn't have Nick Chubb, yet they're a three-point favorite going into Tennessee that maybe has surprised some people with the fact that we thought that they were ready to start a rebuild after this season, but it looks like their veterans are hanging in there, and this might be a ball game. They are, and, and Ryan Tannehill finally played well last week, and their defense, uh, red zone defense and third down defense, top five in the NFL, and run defense is number one in the NFL. So you got to do a couple things well if you win games, and Cleveland has the talent here, but now all of a sudden they're breaking apart as far as injuries. Nick Chubb's done for the year. Conklin, their best offensive lineman, he's out. Their top cornerback could miss the game. Their offensive lineman gave up six sacks against the Steelers in eight penalties. Uh, and on top of that, the receivers, the fewest yards after catch in the NFL year. Sean Watson is not uh, the same guy here. I'm going with Tennessee, wrong team favorite here, 17-16. How many face masks do you think he grabs on Sunday? Is there an over-under? Is there a prop <laughs> bet for that, Lee? I don't think I ever did that <laughs> when I was a quarterback evading guys. Now, I might have put my hand there, and, and but I certainly didn't grab it. One of the not not a smart move. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, joining us on the HRNP guest line. Lee off to a 25 and 11 start this football season. You can follow him at Paramount Sports. Uh, you got to you got to play his plays. He's giving you free money. He's handing out winners to you, our listeners. And let's talk about the local NFL team here, Lee. Uh, Houston Texans 0 and 2. So there's been some promise, right? CJ Stroud's look good. Andersons look good. Now some bad news today. Derek Stingley Jr. pulling a hammy. He's going to be out at least a month. Good team, defending AFC South champions in Jacksonville. The game is in Jacksonville. The Texans have a prayer on Sunday. Well, the Jaguars defeated the Colts by double digits opening week, and the Colts in Turpeden beat the Texans 31-20 this past Sunday. Trevor Lawrence might be able to exploit that uh, uh, cluster injury situation at the safety position if he has time to throw. Jags offensive line just hasn't afforded him that luxury, though. Uh, the result being the Jags are a league-worst 25 uh, percentile here as far as third-down conversion rate, only 4.2 yards per play, scoring just nine points at home against the Chiefs this past Sunday. Uh, Houston hasn't been able to run the ball uh, yet with their bell cow, Damian Pierce, averaging just 2.7 yards per carry here. Uh, looks like three offensive line starters being out. 
Uh, I mean, just the, the hits keep coming with this team here. I think Jacksonville rebounds 27-14. Lee, we know that you have been calling winners. You know you've been on a, on, on just a, a hot streak. And yep. along with taking care of people that actually take the time to sign up and get involved with you, you also give some free plays along the way. A game that a lot of people are interested in around here, especially the guy to my right. But this Houston Cougars <laughs> team against Sam Houston State is an interesting free play. Yep. Is this a blowout or is this a trap game here? So uh, do do the Cougars win it or the Bearcats? Uh, they pull off the upset. You want to get this game for free, call 800-400-9741. Game is on me. First 10 callers get Houston and San, Sam Houston State for free, 800-400-9741. And you want to hop on board. No one documented the country that's hotter. And uh, you want to hop on board and you're not already a client? How about this? The world's famous Baker's Dozen, 13 games combined, Saturday and Sunday, just $97, one place, ParamountSports.com. Can't be that. Lee, you've been hot. Keep it going this weekend, all right? Sounds good. Take care, guys. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, 25-11 and 11 so far this college football that's season. Pretty good. That's really good. Yeah. I wish I was 25-11 and 11 in my Man. NFL bets. Have you seen this uh, the new debate going on here with these uh, these hoagie sandwiches? I no. think I know what side of the debate you're going to be on. I'm curious what side of the debate Joe George is on. There is a big hoagie war going on right now on uh, social media. You have one half of the argument saying that mayo does not belong on a hoagie, saying that it's only oil and vinegar that should be on a hoagie, never mayo. And then the other half saying, give me my mayo. Mayo belongs in a hoagie. And what side of the conversation Will Levis is on. Yeah, uh, what side are you on? Does, well, does mayo me, belong anywhere near a hoagie? Does it, can, it, can we not limit it to just mayo? Because I'm not the biggest mayo fan in the world. You and, like and, Miracle Whip? No, but I mean, oh. I was raised on Miracle Whip, but Oof. I don't care for either one of them. I like honey mustard. And if I'm going to make my own sandwich my way yeah. at any kind of sub shop or hoagie shop, then I'm going to want to have certain sandwiches. I might want barbecue sauce, or I want honey mustard, or I want something different as a condiment. You know, y'all know I love ketchup, but probably not on a hoagie. Have you ever put a ketchup on a sandwich? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, without a doubt. What on kind like, of meat? What kind? Like a grilled cheese, for you sure. Put ketchup on a grilled oh, cheese? Oh, absolutely. What? My whole life. Like most people, dip it in like a tomato soup. So or a essentially, tomato bisque. I used to have you this argument with others. Ketchup. Basically, what. No, it's, I know where you're going. It's, it's no. hot and cold. It's still tomatoes. Oh. Whether you dip it in soup or you put ketchup on it, it's the same concept with the flavor. <laughs> I put ketchup on grilled cheese. You're it's telling an easy... me your tomato soup tastes like ketchup? That's more I'm saying it's both no. tomatoes. I could do it. I could dip it in soup or I could dip it in ketchup. I prefer gr- grilled cheese with ketchup sometimes. It's really, really good. Do you do you like tomato soup? Do you like tomato soup? I'd like it. Really yeah. only with grilled cheese. You mess with La, La Madeleine tomato soup? Oh, it's all? really oh, good. That's the best. It's really I'm good. I'm not crazy awesome. about tomato soup, but their tomato soups smash. You get the, the little the little crackers. Uh, that's good. Yeah, it's really good. Have you ever put ketchup on a sandwich that had a protein, that had some sort of meat on it? Yeah. What kind? Lots of them. Turkey, Turkey? Roast, beef, oh, roast beef. I think I've man. only ever put ketchup on like a bologna sandwich. I've never, never put ketchup on a sandwich, period, ever. No Any doubt sort of about it, especially ever. like a roast beef sandwich. I could put ketchup on it, oh. absolutely. I'm on the uh, ho- mayo does not belong anywhere near a hoagie. Oh, at see, all. Yeah, I'm, absolutely I'm good. not. I'm good with the mayo. Oh, give me the oil and vinegar. Now, I only like, I don't only eat Am Italians, I but if I, I do love both? Italians. Uh, yeah. And oil and vinegar? Yeah. And mayonnaise? I don't like mayonnaise Yeah, I don't like that combo. I'm not a mayo guy, so keep mayos away from hoagies. Now, Joe, are you saying I'm that because of a, a club sandwich? Because a club sandwich, there's a there's no there's, like an Italian at like Jersey Mike's. Like I'll get the 
Oil you give mayo on the on, on the Italian? Italian? Yeah, oh, it does not belong, man. You have bad. No, pairings. I don't. I don't think that's a good combo. Why? That's a bad pairing. I don't think so. Yeah, Italian you get the oregano with, with the yeah. oil and vinegar. Yeah, the oregano really that. brings some extra zest to the spiciness uh, and the flavoring. But I don't. I can't go mayo on an Italian. Three four zero three says fried bologna with ketchup. You ever you ever mess with that? I wasn't. I've never been a big like bologna fan. So uh, no, I've never. I've never tried fried bologna. Caleb says, I'm a huge pothead, so I know a little bit about great food and a grilled cheese dipped in ketchup is the bomb. There you go. Boom. Now, Way to go, Caleb. Yeah, but the moment he used bomb.com, he lost all credibility. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that he had. All credibility also, the like, moment he said bomb.com. Do you, if, you, if you, you know, partake in that activity, yeah. do you also eat it when you're sober? That's a good point. I, like, I think, I think you have to clarify. If like, things are only good when you're under the influence, are they really good? Great question. I think it's fair to say they're not. My girls love ketchup. They'll put ketchup on a grilled cheese. They're never under the influence, are they? No. They're doing this? No, they just love ketchup. They're like their dad. <laughs> 713782. The apple does not fall too That's far right. from the tree. Seven, she, they come by it honestly. 713-780-3776. We talked about the Astros game yesterday once it ended. Uh, Christian Javier with a clutch performance, 11 Ks in five innings. It matched a season high. Astros rally. They win. Yay. Still in first place with nine to play. Christian Javier... He's clearly the most important struggling player to get back, right? Does anybody else belong in this conversation? A struggling Astro to get back to their prominence that's going to carry the Astros the rest of the way? Javier's the easy answer there, isn't it? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at MyBookie and MyBookie.ag. I tell you about them because I believe in them. I believe in them because they take care of you guys because they make sure that customers, both new and, and returning, Get extra goodies when they come back and put more money in their account and they bet on games through mybookie.ag. And it's not just games. They also have casino gambling going on at all hours of the day and night. You, you never sleep at mybookie.ag. You want to get into some casino gambling late night or when there's not any games to be played? Live dealers standing by ready to take your bets and work with you and play with you right there online. MyBookie.ag is the best in the business, especially when it comes to college and pro football. But like I said, those bonuses are what's really important. Remember this promo code at all times, BET975. Why do I tell you to do that? Well, because if you go to MyBookie.ag and you put 50 bucks in your account, whether you're a new subscriber for the first time or you're a returning subscriber that wants to put money and reload their account, either way, when you put the the promo code BET975 in, whenever you put in at least 50 bucks, you can get it up to, up to an extra 200 bucks in your account. More money in your account, more games you can bet on, and, of course, more chances for you to win. Make the most uninteresting game more interesting by going to mybookie.ag. They take care of you. And, oh, by the way, if you take that bonus money and bet it again at least one time, you can take it out if you win. Put it in your back pocket. Do whatever you will. Go shopping. Go to a nice dinner. Take care and reward yourself some way with a spa day maybe. Well, that's because you go to mybookie.ag. It's why I always tell you they're the best in the business and there's no place else you should go because you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. And it's what the only place I tell you to do it. It's mybookie.ag and use that promo code BET975. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. We're your daddy. You was a toilet baby. Tiff just popped down like a little old turd, just right down in a bowl. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. That's debatable. Uh, Christian Javier, 11 Ks in five innings yesterday. Looking good. We need to see more of this Christian Javier. Uh, I saw Chandler Roman, the athletic, said that uh, 
Javier bouncing back is the most instrumental piece to the Astros World Series chances. I think it's a good take. Yep. I really don't have a pushback on it. I would agree. I think getting Christian Javier back is the most instrumental piece that hasn't been performing well, that if he can flip the switch back to their normal prominence, gives you the best chance. Because, I mean, Javier, we know about the history, uh, the no-hit innings and the combined no-hitter, the most underrated start in World Series history. He's been in the big moment. He has you know ice in his veins, it seems like, never uh, lets emotion get the best of him. Slow heartbeat, yeah. Slow heartbeat, all of that. Like he, he and, and he also, because he would solidify where you're weak right now. Like, you're weak when the back half of your rotation. Fromber Valdez has been pitching great. But Justin Verlander is not last year's Justin Verlander where he was winning a Cy Young. So even, like, I think there's a pretty steep drop-off from Fromber to JV. But it's clear that Fromber and JV are your top two. After that, it's been anybody's guess. We've talked about Javier to the bullpen. Uh, left off the ALDS roster. We've talked about Brown to the bullpen. JP France, number three starter. Jose Arcady, she in the mix. Gives up two tanks uh, the other day. Because you're weak in the back half of the rotation and because of how good Christian Javier is, I, I think this is the easy answer of getting an important, struggling player back to where they were. Well, and you add to all of that that Dusty was going to go to him no matter what anyway, it seems, because yeah. he's a total believer in, in, in trust. And in du- Dusty trusts guys that have been there and done that before, sometimes way too much about guys that did it way too far back in the day. But in this case... He, he just has too much trust in, in Javier already, and we already had penciled him in to be the number three, whether he deserved it or not. Now he looks like he deserves it. And so now you feel a little bit better about if you get in, and it's still an if, but if you get in, you have three guys that should keep you in the ball games that you need to stay in, depending on no matter what the situation is and where you end up in this playoff picture. But when you look at it, too, the fact is, this guy's locked up long-term for you. you. You need to see this guy continue to make progress and stay somewhat the pitcher that he was when you made this contract offer to him because he's part of your future as well. But as it relates to this season specifically, he is no doubt the most important guy that has to step up and be more of what he used to be. Now, if you want to turn the page and say this is a no-brainer, where do you go from here? I mean, I thought about it a, a lot of different ways, and I think that Abreu is the first guy that comes to mind for me that – we know all season long has been a disappointment. We know that he has shown flashes of a guy that, you know, can still do some things like he did when he won an MVP and when he was, you know, one of the the more the better hitters in the American League. But Abreu is a guy that if you can get him somewhere close to or at least better than he's been and close to the, when, a, when he was at his best and you throw him in the mix in the middle of a lineup, because Dusty's going to throw him in the middle of the lineup whether you like it or not, yeah. but you put him somewhere in the mix in the middle of the lineup with the guys that have been hitting better all season long, like Jordan, like Tuck, like Bregman, who seems to still, you know, he, he's again a hot and cold guy, but he seems to be more bordering on hot, uh, and Altuve, that you could be a even better offensive team because I don't think we can rely on Michael Brantley. Yeah, I don't think so. Plus, I have, I'd rather have Yiner than Michael Brantley, if I'm being completely honest. Now, those are the other two that I – there's two others that I would throw into the mixer. Brayu was one of them. But I like what you said about Javier. Like, even if he was continuing to struggle, Dusty's still going to use no him doubt. as the number three. So you know that those are going to be innings given to him. Uh, whereas, like, a J.P. France, yeah, maybe he doesn't get the innings. Hunter Brown, maybe he doesn't get the innings. Those are the other two I was going to say. Like, Jose Abreu's one of them. Now, I think that the Astros have enough offense where they, they don't desperately need Jose Abreu. I think they can get away with a struggling Jose Abreu if the big boys do big boy things. Uh, whereas the rotation, you 
desperately need another quality starter. Uh, the other one was Hunter Brown for me. Now, he doesn't have the pedigree of Javier, only being a rookie, but if Hunter Brown could get to where he's, you know, his last two starts, one was really good, the other one against Baltimore, not so good, he would be in that conversation for me a little bit as well. But I'd rather have Javier than Brown. And because you have more offense than back half of the rotation, I, Javier to me is quite obviously yeah, a slam dunk. That, that's where I'm at, too. The fact is, is you have enough other bats in this lineup that are capable, and Pena seems to be figuring some things out as well. So he's not a liability as much as he has been during certain points during the season. So when you think about it, the pitching has been, you've been so desperate to find guys when a year ago you were trying to shun guys off and just push them back and say, I just don't have room for you right now because I have a surplus of starting pitchers and all of them seem to be getting the job done to a certain degree. That's not the case this year, and we've seen them fall by the wayside over and over with the different guys that are no longer an option. You need, ideally, four starters. You have three, and you still have plenty of question marks with the other three guys as to which other guy could possibly step up between now and the end of the regular season to be a viable option, and it's not been decided. So you know you have enough bats in the lineup to score runs, and they've been putting up pretty good doses of crooked numbers. Starting pitching, you need a fourth guy, and I don't think it's even close to being figured out yet. Zero seven nine four says Pena and Jose Abreu. Pena hasn't been bad, though. Like, Pena's actually been really good. So, like, you're not reverting a guy who's been good. Uh, like, Javier's been bad up until yesterday. Abreu's been bad, quite frankly, almost most of the year. Uh, Ocho says, I think Andrew Carlson and I are the only ones not falling for the banana in the tailpipe uh, in regards to Christian Javier. That's fair. Like, Christian Javier's had one really good start in the second half of the season. So, like, he's not... I'm optimistic because there's been some like signs that maybe he's getting it back, but do I expect him to strike out 11, give up one run over five innings for every single start he has the rest of the season and into the playoffs? No, I don't because there's been way more bad than there's been good. Uh, eight six nine three. I'd also go Abreu with him being an everyday player. If Astros get in postseason and Abreu heats up, the offense will absolutely thrive. I'm not holding my breath though. That's the. I mean, that's a pretty good argument. Like Javier is going to start one of. You know, four games, whereas Abreu is going to be in the lineup every day. I still got to go the starting pitcher. Yeah, no doubt about it, because you're more desperate for that. I, I just look at this, too, and say, I think Javier's had, I guess you said really good, mm-hmm. but I thought the Yankee start was really good for six innings or whatever it was, and then he had the hiccups all in that that extra inning where he gave up a, a couple of extra base hits, and suddenly the, you flipped the script on what otherwise was a 10-plus strikeout game where you seem to be in control the entire outing. Yeah, see, that that's one of the signs that I think Javier's been good, but the way that that ended just kind of spoiled it for me. Like, see, it, it easy didn't, to see that. It didn't put together, like, he didn't wrap up a really good start, you know? Uh, but those are the signs. Like, his strikeout numbers are up. Like, you just look just look at his last five games. If you last game against Baltimore, 11 Ks in five innings, obviously that's been the best he's been in a long time. Prior to that against Kansas City, six and five innings, you'll take that. Five and four innings against San Diego, eight and six innings against the Yankees, four and four innings against Boston. Now, you don't love that he gave up all those runs, but those strikeout numbers have been ticking up, and I think that's a good sign. Maybe it came to you know its head against Baltimore, and maybe somehow he's figured it out. The walks are worries, and the pitch count is always going to be a concern. See, I always think he's a walk guy. Like To me, it's like you get three walks, and then anything over that is a disaster, but he's always going to be a guy who walks. Yeah, I just the pitch count to me is what always keeps me on the edge of my seat because mm-hmm. I want him, when he is dealing, to go as far as he possibly can. And more times than not, I see him in the fifth inning already in, in the eighty plus in the eighty pitch range, and I know that he's got to come out pretty quick, and, and that's always a concern for me. Can I be honest with you about that though? Like uh-huh. I, I was thinking about this after his start yesterday. 
if you told me that he's only going to go five innings every start and give up two runs, I'm taking it. Like, because he's never going to be a guy who pitches deep into games because he does get into some deep counts. He's going to get himself into three ball counts. And if you strike out guys too, your pitch count's going to go up. I don't need now. This is different regular season, postseason because regular season, like you want Javier to get six, seven innings, and I think that's kind of what led to some Javier struggles early. Not all of it, but early was I think he was trying to pitch deep into games, pitch into contact, and that's not who he is. Like he's a strikeout dude. Uh, he's a guy who doesn't give up base hits. He whiffs guys. Postseason, if Javier just goes five innings every single start, like I'm good with that, and hand it over to the bullpen that's supposed to be one of your strengths. I can live with that. Yeah, I think that. You also know that, yeah, your bullpen, like you said, your bullpen is, is, there's guys in the back of that bullpen you can rely on. And you know that maybe some more than others, but you know you've got four of the best or three plus, three and a half of the best uh, on the backside of that bullpen. The, the, maybe three, and you, you're going to work out the fourth. But when you think about Naris and Abreu, and, and I know people want to be critical of Ryan Presley, and it's fair to in the last well, I month him. or so. I and that's true. You did, you, you did do your work and wave your wand. But at the same time, I trust Ryan Presley in the playoffs. I, I trust the guys in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning of this. So if you just have to bridge the gap with the guys you have to choose from and they can empty the tank in an inning or two, I think you're just fine. Seven one three seven eight zero espn It's time to add more people to the list. Bad Tag Boulevard with the Killer Bees. You can play along. Who belongs on the list? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Bad Tag Boulevards on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Something that's not a bad take is uh, Gentle Ben. Gentle Ben's a good take, actually. It's a really good take. I've been telling you for a while that Gentle Ben is the best. It all starts with the finest ingredients, classic, time-honored distilling methods. Gentle Ben uses their innovative process that removes the harshness that's found in most spirits. The result is unparalleled smoothness and an enjoyable drinking experience. You get all the flavor and none of the burn. Gentle Ben offers vodka gin, straight bourbon whiskey, cast drink bourbon, all are fantastic, all in my rotation. Just talking to a few of the Twitchers on the Twitch, they were saying that they were trying some Gentle Ben and how much they loved it. Look for Gentle Ben at the liquor store, whichever one you go to or what's on the way home. Pick up a bottle today. Next time you head to dinner, ask for it. Next time you go to your favorite bar, ask for it. Head to the Gentle Ben Tasting Room in Alvin and head over to GentleBen.com. GentleBen.com, you can search liquor stores that carry Gentle Ben, but now, it's been about a week now, you can order Gentle Ben straight from the website. And they'll deliver it straight to your door. So you don't have to worry about stopping at the liquor store. Uh, head to GentleBen.com, order the vodka, order the gin, order the bourbon. They will deliver it right to your doorstep. Also, if you're headed to the Astros game, uh, stop by the Gentle Ben bar. We tell you this all the time, right, uh, when you walk in the Union Station entrance. But tomorrow... Gentle Ben and St. Arnold Brewing are having a, a great they're, – they're collaborating on a very special beer. You've probably had the St. Arnold Pumpkinator, but tomorrow only at Minute Maid Park, they're putting their Pumpkinator in a Gentle Ben rye bourbon barrel where it's been aging. They're going to have one keg of the Pumpkinator aged in Gentle Ben rye bourbon barrel, only one keg, only tomorrow at Minute Maid Park. So make sure you try this collab with St. Arnold and Gentle Ben. And let me know. I can't make it out there tomorrow. I really want to know how this pumpkinator inside of the uh, the Gentle Ben rye bourbon barrel tastes. So get back to me. Let me know. Gentle Ben, smoothest, honest. Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the killer bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over for all eternity. 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 What's that street? Bad Take Boulevard. Bad, 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 bad take, bad take, bad Because take it's Boulevard. the theme of the day. All right, Bad Take Boulevard. He's Blank on Branham. Because it's the theme of the day, Bad Take is April 28, 2022. 
That was the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft, and Nick Casario had a couple of bad takes. He had Derek Stingley over Sauce Gardner. Derek Stingley out again with a hamstring again. Fourth straight year in his football career that he's been hurt. Two years before he was ever a Houston Texan. And then Kenyon Green. Uh, Kenyon Green not only drafting Kenyon Green over other interior offensive linemen who have been way better, but trading out of the pick, they got Jordan Davis. So April 28th, 2000. You just made the list. Nick you've, you've retroactively made, made the list. Oh, you're absolutely not wrong about that. I mean, when you look about look at all the different ways we look at, I mean, that could be a mansion with a guest house with a double-layered pool or double-level pool and a, a four-car garage. Yeah. That's how big of a residence that could be. And that people will never forget. I don't care if you win the Super Bowl or not. You're not going to win it because of those guys right now. And so th- that's a blemish. Yeah, hopefully he's uh, that that uh, house that he's building in Bad Take Boulevard isn't in Houston because he might not be here long. Uh, a guy named Guy on Twitter said that uh, Derek Stingley's better than Sauce Gardner to me two days Today? ago. Oh, my God. He said it two days ago. Now, I mean, has Stingley played better than Sauce so far through two weeks? Maybe that's arguable. Uh, pro Football Focus would disagree, but I'm not a huge Pro Football Focus guy. Now, you can't dismiss that Sauce was a first-team All-Pro last year and Stingley missed the last eight games. But just the fact that two days later, he pulls a hamstring and is out for at least a month. So the guy named Guy saying that Stingley's better than Sauce. You made the you list. You just made the list! Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at all of that, no matter what you were seeing with Stingley this year, if they don't throw to him, there's probably uh, uh, throw his way, there's probably a reason why, right? They're, they're not throwing his direction because... He, he's doing his job. And so sometimes the stats don't show you everything, but from that regard, you can say that. But overall, you can't take away from the fact that there's no comparison between the two guys. Like, so. we haven't seen Stingley enough. We talked about availability. We haven't seen him do the things that we've seen from Sauce Gardner. We haven't seen him on this level step up in bigger games like Sauce Gardner. And then, like you said, with the accolades for Sauce Gardner, we can't make that comparison, and I don't know how anybody can pick Stingley over Sauce Gardner. Me either. There has been some scuttlebutt uh, about Sauce not looking great in the first two weeks, giving up a lot of uh, cat. Like he's given up ten catches, I think, but over two games. That's not crazy. But uh, he was really good last year. Don't don't dismiss how good he was last year. All right, Gilbert Arenas, Agent Zero, is taking a shot at the greatest Houston athlete of all time. Gilbert Arenas blasting Akeem for charging a decent amount of money for lessons with Akeem. This is, <laughs> I'm sorry, but nobody doing this. All you old son bitches, stand down. Nobody, nobody want the Hakeem Elijah Wood Skywalker. Nobody want none of that All right? Let it go. 50, you should be ashamed of yourself. Charging these young whippersnappers. <laughs> 50, when you came in the league in 1984, you wasn't getting 50000 a game. <laughs> you trying to make your money back through the youth. Through the youth. Now, here's a couple of things that I, I have an issue with here with Arenas. There's two bad takes within this bad take is why mm-hmm. Gilbert, has made, Gilbert Arenas has made the list on Bad Take Boulevard. First one is he says that no one wants to do it. Kobe, LeBron, LeBron, Giannis, like the list goes on and on of people who have sought out. Back in the day when when he was at the peak of his game, he went there. Some of the all-time greats in the generations after Hakeem have sought him out to give them lessons. So you're wrong about that. Big time, Gilbert. Well, and the thing is, Jeremy, we talk about what center's game could translate the best to today's NBA. It's Hakeem Olajuwon. He's the consummate stretch five in the NBA, he could play. He could defend almost everything but a point guard. 
he he can, you can give him the ball on the wing, you can give him the ball running the break, you can give him the ball and, and you know not that you wanted him to shoot a lot of threes back in the day, but he's made a few. He can make it. He's got good touch. He can get to the line. And, and how do you make yourself more unguardable? Because you can score and ma- anywhere on the floor. He could score anywhere on the floor in a multitude of ways. Why would you not add that to your game, whether you're a guard, a forward, or a center right now? When you look at the best centers in the league, Embiid and the Joker, they can shoot threes. They can go in and they can post you up. They can face you up and stretch you out. That's exactly what Dream's whole game was. Yeah. The second bad take is, how many times do you remember Hakeem using the sky hook? Uh, Never. That's not that's not Olajuwon's move. That's Kareem's move. Olajuwon's known for the say it with dream the glass. Shake. There we go. Uh, but, but here's Arenas. the other thing too. Even when it wasn't a dream shake, he had the jump hook. The sky hook is that that ballerina type move with the high knee and the turn and the arc on it and go like that. Dream would shake you one way and then one handed jump hook you the other way if he was in the post and he wasn't going to the dream shake. If he stayed with his foot on the block. That's not a sky hook. Yeah. It's just not. But you know what? His repertoire, anybody in the league that wants to be somebody in this league for an extended period of time would love to have that bag to to dip dip, dip into and use as an NBA player. Yeah. That's uh Gilbert Arenas not familiar with uh, Elijah One's game. All right. I've been I've been You uh, just made the list. Gilbert Arena, Agent Zero. You have uh you have more times on Bad Take Boulevard than you do appearances in the NBA Finals. The hibachi. The self-proclaimed hibachi. Did make a lot of money in his career, though. Yeah, but he didn't make it by playing great basketball. He was, I mean, he was all right. That video is also, good... it's one of the most obnoxious things I've yeah. ever watched. He's, he's had some, he had some years. Yeah, he had some decent I years. I don't think he was ever, like, first-tier player, but he, had, he was some second-tier, third-tier years. Bad Take Boulevard, bringing guns into a locker room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. The stories that came out of that entire experience with all the guys' careers he possibly could have ruined and the guys that ruined their lives. You see Jarvis Crittenden? The, 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 there's some stories in that from those days that are just cringeworthy about what went on in that locker room. Yeah, wasn't there a gun on a plane, too, over a poker game, I think? There might have been in there. There there was definitely in Boston and in Memphis and a couple other situations. But he's made tons of money. Yep. All right. Apparently, Sean Mays. No, he's in the clear. He's in the clear. I wasn't sure. I I asked him before the show. I was like, it's it's clean, right? That piece of audio we just played. Oh, Sean Mapes cut the Gilbert Arenas yeah. audio. I, so I, I wasn't was sure it was. It wasn't. I wasn't sure it was totally clean. I thought you, yeah, I I thought you were something putting him on. Said. No, no, no. I thought over. so too. No, Sean has great takes. It's uh, debatable. What? Yeah, Sean's good takes. Except, oh, you just oh, went from great to good within ten seconds. What the people do hate Sean Mapes right now? Why? Is that? Because he is the first back? person on the station to say the Astros will not make it to the World Series. Or I the thought ALCS. Paul was first. Paul was. I think Paul as he panders to get more reactions and clicks. Paul seeming seemingly wanted to be the guy that said, "I hate to break it to you, but hoping that that would change their fortunes and be like the the, I think Sean the mojo." Meant it. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know that that's yeah, that bad of a on, take. Right? You can't now. put them on Batik Boulevard until they go to the right. World Series. <laughs> That's true. I think there's a lot of people that are a little concerned right now about the Astros going that far. So that one's queued up. That one's queued up for uh, for later, perhaps. Yeah. How about this? Colin Coward has been a permanent fixture on that table. Creighton Boulevard. made a song. Creighton made like a song. Made a, Creighton made sing? like a, a pseudo commercial about all the bad, like, and it was essentially like Colin Coward's favorite, like, heavy metal bands. And then every band, he'd, he they would say he would play the song of a different band instead because Coward gets every name wrong and then uses the wrong names. Creighton did a whole bit on it. 
that's pretty funny. Now, there's a texture that wants to put Creighton on Bad Take Boulevard, which I think we will. But uh, Colin Coward, did you see his first uh, 10 NFL picks on the year? Did you see no. his record through his first 10 games? No. He hasn't lost them all, but he didn't win it. He tied it. He pushed it. He's 0-9-1 Ouch. in his first NFL. I mean, it's, Yikes. I mean, I'm not a good NFL better, but let's see. What am I? I'm five and eight on the year. I was three and four last week. Like I'm not winning you money, but I'm not oh nine and one like Colin Cowherd. Well, in the Creighton pool, you're fifteen and thirteen. No, I think I don't like this because th- we have to pick all the. See, games. I don't. Yeah, yeah that one. And we're thirteen and fifteen, Joe. No, you and I. On that? I haven't seen the standings. And you're fifteen and thirteen. See, no, no, Joel and I are thirteen, fifteen, and two. Jeremy is tied for last with Granado. Oh, 11, I gave you too much credit. And two. See, I don't like that thing either. Josh Vans in first place. He right makes now. us pick every game. Yeah, I, don't I, like that. I, I probably pick three or four games to bet each week. I think this week I have six. I have six against the spread, and I have six totals in the NFL. PC has us picking every game. That's a right. lot. Like, right. PC has us picking like games that I'm not touching. So it's not a great indicator, PC's thing. We're but not, I mean, we're not, not as bad as we were last year on BZ Money either. No, we've been all right, BZ Money. Yeah. You're not been all right. But Colin Coward makes the list 09 and 1. And this texture's putting Patrick Creighton on the list. You make the list, PC. I think PC belongs on Pat on Bad Take Boulevard. He boasted the Astros would win the division by eight games after they traded for Verlander. Then a uh, stated Astro fan should chime into every Yankee at bat with last place, Yankees, clap, 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 clap. A bunch of emojis. Uh, right before the Yankees swept the Astros in the juice box. So, yeah, I think that does belong on Bad Take Boulevard. You just made the list. Who else was... A, a, a listener to the show that said that they were gonna the Astros were gonna win the division by nine games. Mm, I don't remember. I thought that. we had somebody else. Ar Platinum said that they were gonna win it by like five, and he said the Mariners said would the miss win the playoffs. Total. I don't know if he said that. He did because he I believed me. He won't let me forget it. Oh really? Yeah, he keeps he keeps uh, D, uh, DMing me on on uh, Twitter telling me that. All right, there we go for uh, Bad Take Boulevard. PC has made the list. Colin Coward, again, permanent residence. Gilbert Arenas, uh, Nick Casario for April 28, 2002, and a guy named Guy. All right, David Carr was sacked 76 times in 2002. It was a franchise record. At what point do we start record watch with C.J. Stroud? Also, C.J. Stroud has a shot to break the all-time rookie passing yard record. When do we start record watch on that it's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. If you want to lay down some uh, some bets here pretty soon, we were just talking about Colin Cowherd being terrible at his bets, uh, us being decent. If you think you're smarter than us, you think there's money to be made on some of these games, like tonight, there's a little football action tonight, well, then you need to throw it down at BetUS.com. Uh, my favorite sports book, my favorite casino, it's BetUS, BetUS.com. Football's back, as we know, another one tonight, and that means it's time to lay down those bets. Which side are you on this evening? I only endorse one sports book and casino, that's BetUS.com. Why only one? Well, BetUS is celebrating its 30th year of sports betting service with a special offer this football season, up to 30 risk free bets. That's right. You get up to 30 risk-free bets. It's called Bet Protect. If that isn't enough, BetUS offers the industry's biggest 125% sign-up bonus. That's right. You heard me right. The industry's biggest 125% sign-up bonus. And there's even more. BetUS.com offers a massive 200% crypto sign-up bonus and a 250% casino bonus. The game always gets more exciting with a bet, but you can take it to another level at BetUS.com with live in-game betting. Do not wait. Take it advantage of this 30th year offer up to 30 risk-free bets get bet protect and get started by visiting betus.com give them a call at 1-800-MY-BET-US that's 1-800-692-3887 to learn all about their bonuses and special offers 1-800-MY-BET-US betus.com sportsbook and casino where the game begins 
Time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. When, when can we start uh, record watching with C.J. Stroud? A couple of fronts here. Mm-hmm. You want the positive or you want the negative? I'm always a positive guy. I got to hear the positive first. Okay. There is a, I mean, on pace guy, all that stuff, whatever. Andrew Luck has the most passing yards for a rookie in NFL history. 4,374. Stroud's on pace to shatter it. Like, I'm not going to see her do on pace stuff after two weeks. But at what point, what point do you start to look at that a little bit where Stroud chasing Luck, most passing yards for a rookie in NFL history? When would you start record watching Stroud surpassing Luck? with the most passing yards for a rookie quarterback in NFL history. Can I say never? No. I don't want to look at it because you and I both said that that's an empty stat in a lot of ways. I don't think it's empty. I don't think it's empty. I think it's overrated. I don't think it's empty But at if all. you're playing from behind, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks, Deshaun and others, that early on your team and throughout the season, your team can suck, but you can you can inflate your, your yardage numbers. But it would be great to be able to, as a feather in his cap, to build on for next season if – Say in week 10, you're looking at a guy that's way up there with his passing yards. It scares me if it's in week 10 and he's way up there in passing yards, what the team's record is. But I believe even more so then if I see what I see now and know this is a guy can make all the throws. This is a guy that can put the ball where it needs to be put. And and he, no matter how bad the scenario around him might be with offensive line and weapons, he can – make things happen on offense, I'd be extremely encouraged if he his passing yards were there and in week 10 and, and, and you know he was successful regardless of the team. Now you're going to have me defend passing yards, which isn't something I like to do because I was just banging on passing yards for, for a while. Um, yeah, if you throw the ball more, you're going to have more passing yards. You're behind in games, more opportunity to throw the ball, which means you're going to rack up more yards. Like CJ Stroud threw it 47 times this past week. That's why he flirted with 400 yards. Uh, now – wouldn't shock me if C.J. Stroud is throwing the ball 30 times a game because this offensive line cannot can't, can't run block because Damian Pierce isn't having a whole lot of success, more because of the offensive line than Damian Pierce. I think Damian Pierce is fine. The offensive line just cannot run block. They're, they're really bad at it. So I think that the Texans are actually going to have to reverse the philosophy of their offense. And look, I mean, I, I, I thought that they needed to be run first as well for a rookie quarterback, but their offense is better when they're throwing than running. And I understand you right. still have to establish the run. I understand that you're still going to have to give Damian Pierce touches. You can't be one-dimensional. I absolutely get that. But we were talking like 50-50 run-pass split. I think it needs to be like 60-40, like honestly. Like, CJ, you need to hand C.J. Stroud the keys to this offense. I think he's your best offensive player, not named Laramie Tunsil. I think you have better skill at the receivers than you do in the backfield, quite honestly, with Nico, with Tank, with Robert Woods, like Damian Pierce. But does Damian Pierce have more skill than those guys? And then who's behind Damian? appears they definitely don't have more skill uh, than those guys I think the best chance for the Texans to move the football consistently is actually to say here you go CJ Stroud here are the keys to our offense go run it I agree but don't you think that if they start doing that and have any success at all or continue to have that kind of success the teams are going to go and they're going to load up on their pass defense and say look we don't believe that with that offensive line you can't you can't do anything to run the football on us regardless if we key on it or not. I mean, you have the whole light box, heavy box stuff. If you see a light box, they have five in the box, then you run the ball. I mean, you always have to play the the game. You always have to play the, okay, well, they're not respecting the run. It's time to run the ball. 
Uh, but for me, the priority prior to the first two games of the year was pound it, you know, have ball control, win it with running the ball and defense, defense yeah. but they can't run the ball very well. Their best success is when they throw the football. I think they need to have a reversal of, of, of philosophy. I think they will, quite honestly. I think they will start throwing the ball a little bit more. Now, why I don't think passing yards is an empty stat, I think it's overrated. I don't think it's empty at all. Like, you go look at last year's top 10 passing yards, guys, they were playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, Pat Mahomes led the NFL in passing. He wasn't in garbage time. He was winning 13 games in a Super Bowl. You, one of you guys, Joe, did you bring that up on the show? Yeah, it was the only guy not in there was, I think it was Goff. It's because he reads my Twitter. That's why he brought That's it up. That's not true. Show. I think I said it first. I think Definitely you stole not. from me. I tweeted it two days ago. At I Jeremy think I Brandon. said it two days ago. I think ago. he did. He said it yesterday. Oh, I think you're right. Did he? Yes. I think you're right. Jeremy's right for once. I have a memory like a still trap. For once, I give him credit. Uh, the only I say week eight, <laughs> like week eight, is when I start keeping track of this because I tend to agree with you guys about like changing the philosophy of the offense. But I'm curious how much it has to change after week four. Like, will it revert back a little yeah. bit once you have Scruggs, mm. Titus, and Tunsil? Should and they'll actually be able to. I mean, I hope they can run the ball after week four. I'd like it to be balanced at that point. Like, I want it to be honestly sixty forty now. Now, like if you're if you're not respecting the run and you're just sitting there playing nickel and you have five in the, then you obviously you have no. to run the ball. No. Like the other team's telling you, you better run the ball against us. So you have to do that sort of stuff. You have to play the game. But I'd like a sixty forty split. I want Stroud to be the primary weapon on the offensive side, the passing, the aerial attack to be the primary weapon. Now after week four brings up a great point like that's why i'm excited for week five i'm excited to see when they week five have feels Jeremy like your Tunsil, opening when game. they have juice scruggs when they have titus howard because now you have a full compliment yeah. to see okay let's see what this full arsenal can do does it not it feels like the opening game it, now it feels like preseason yeah the deck has mm-hmm. been reset for week five because that's when you can have hope again that with a, a real legit offensive line for the most part regardless of, of what you do at left guard should be enough for you to do what you wanted to do from week one when you couldn't been you haven't been able to do anything with the three starters out. I think week five is kind of like the new keep hope alive moment for this team as it relates to the offensive line because it has such an impact or a negative impact. Because anybody that watched that game last week that thinks that they should continue to run the ball with the frequency they've been trying to run the ball are idiots. And yeah, it's also just like the point in your schedule where. Like if you're going to be uh, like winning games consistently or trying to be more competitive, in week four you play the Steelers. Hopefully T.J. Watt doesn't kill C.J. Stroud while J.J. Watt's getting honored at halftime. <laughs> but then like I don't I don't really buy into the Falcons. Like, Bijan's awesome, but like they're nothing. I think you underrate Atlanta. I just I don't know. Like their defense is solid. Their defense is solid for sure. Their running just, game is good. I'm just not super impressed with them. They have weapons. The Saints are not impressive. They struggled to beat an awful Bryce Young. And then you play the Panthers. I definitely think the Buccaneers are frauds. 100. I don't know, man. That defense is pretty good too. Well, they've got some players, but like I just I don't believe that the Baker we've seen through the first two weeks is the what guy. What week is that? We uh, Buccaneers Six? would be week eight. eight. So oh, I thought you were talking about Carolina. So Stingley's borderline to be back then because if you don't yeah. have Stingley in the secondary and you have to defend Mike Evans and Good Godwin, luck. I like Ooh, the Bucks in that game. Yeah, and then you play the Bengals and you play the Cardinals. So it's like week five, like when you start with Atlanta, like that's also when like you have you're just you're closer to the level of competition than versus Baltimore and Jacksonville. Like I don't think the Texans are like miles behind those teams. They're I behind just them. I think it's hard. They're going to be underdogs in all those games. Oh yeah, for sure. Every single Carolina. One. Oh, because it's in Carolina, right? That one would be questionable. Yeah. That one might be like a close to a pickle. See how Andy maybe Dalton two points. It, it, it's going to depend on their like recency, right? Like I think it'll be somewhere between. I think the deltas there is your three point dog, three point favorite. Like that six point mm-hmm. swing is what I would predict right now. Right now, probably the Cardinals game is the only one you're going to be favored in the rest of the season. That's at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you'd be favored in that one. Yeah, Cardinals and Carolina are the two I I would think that they're going to be in it. I don't think the Cardinals are as bad as we thought. Like, where they're just absolutely dreadful, by far the worst team in the league. I can't say that. They might be better than Chicago. They have Connor. If Dobbs gets more and more comfortable... Dobbs is capable of running an offense. He doesn't look terrible. No, he I doesn't. don't really understand. I mean, he's a backup quarterback. He's not one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the world, but he's top 50. He's top 50. Oh, absolutely. Not even a question. And if you have a good defense, you can run the ball a little bit. You can win three or four games. But, but I still don't even know if he'll be the quarterback that week. If they struggle, like, doesn't it feel like they'll still flip the tune at some point? It depends on what they think of their offensive line or if Tune's ready. Like, I don't think they want to think, ruin Tune if they feel like they can't protect them. See, I think in the last quarter of the season – is when they might start wanting to see him more. They want to see Kyler. But there's an, I don't think Kyler plays this whole year. I, an I, off I, I take a bet on that. You, you think he's going to play? Absolutely. The same thing you just said. If you, can't, if you can't protect him and he can get crushed again, then I don't think you put him out there. I think he'll play. I have, we'll I actually, play I'm very confident Texans? he'll play. November 19th? That's week, 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 week. 11? Yeah, I think it's possible he plays in that game. Absolutely. I think there's a. I think there's a really good possibility they shut. They just don't play him all year. Yeah, I think they want to see him though. The I think they want to see him be... with that new coaching staff before they make a decision on him. I think they need to see him honestly. And if he you wants think to you play... showcase him, in, in case you got to move him, that and I think that they want to see what he looks like in their offense. And if he wants to play, you have to play him. Plus, it's no lock that they have the first pick. So it's like okay, maybe like because they might I, have two chances. Yeah, they might. But your thought is like okay, don't play Kyler. You're tanking for Caleb, whatever. But what if it looks like they're the fourth pick and they're trying to decide between Kyler Murray and Drake May? Like, I think they well, need to see Kyler Murray this year with that philosophy and that scheme. I think it's it's up to ownership as well to say that, look, we committed all these dollars to, to Kyler Murray, and I don't know that any team in the league is going to do anything to try and take him off our hands. So then we try and give him the best possible scenario to succeed. Then we're looking at those two picks being uh, a Marvin Harrison Jr. and another weapon that might be able to help you somewhere right now that helps this team go with Kyler Murray. Because I just don't know what that contract, though it looks a little bit more friendly with some of the contracts guys have been signing recently, I still don't think there's any team in the NFL that really wants to touch him. Maybe. I don't think so either. But I, the real problem is, like, they He's might want to take. He's like, too good for Pittsburgh might look at it if Kenny Pickett Ugh. continues like, to that suck. That guy stinks, too. Yeah. Look who, like, look, they went to Would Baker the Bears Mayfield. Look at him? Like, I mean, no. Baker Mayfield's getting a job. You know, like, Kyler Murray's a good quarterback. Kyler Murray is he, like... The, the question isn't Kyler Murray top 15 quarterback. Is he a top 10 quarterback? Now, is he overpaid? Yes. He's more Kirk Cousins. But that's what I'm than, saying. The ownership is going to be the, the, the ones that say, can we try and move on? And do we consider getting Caleb Williams because he's better? Or do we say we've already made the commitment and can't get any return on the investment if we trade him? We got to keep him. I think there's just no guarantee of Caleb, though. Like, the, there's just no guarantee of it. No, but I mean, if well, they, they look better than some of the some of the worst teams in football right now. So you're probably right. But at the start of the year, it looked like they were head and shoulders the worst team in football. So after eight games, after eight games, I think it's eight. Because okay. I want to see what, what the offensive line looks like. I'll go with I'll go with week eight. I was I, I was I, I said ten. Okay, yeah, there's fair. there's a second one too with the negative side of it. The the franchise sack record at seventy six. We'll talk about that on the other side. Also, I like I did the deep dive. I watched the all twenty two. Some some critical things that you need to know about the Houston Texans that I discovered and learned. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five.